0: 85% of daily fantasy sports players lose. Don't be surprised. It's rigged. You're playing against thousands of lineups and experts with more tools and time. Stat Hero is the first ever daily fantasy sports book that gives the player the advantage. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head matchup. You name your stakes and winner takes all. So go to stathero.com/capspace. You can sign up for free and right now you get 300%. Back on your first play. That's stathero.com/slash cap space. Don't forget that slash cap space URL to let them know that you came from us the trade deadline is swooping towards us so we're going to talk now about the northwest division and a team that we thought would be a really interesting trade destination at the start of the season has now become less so but still a, a team I i would say i think they're more likely than not to make some kind of move uh and that is the portland Blazers.
1: yeah the blazers are the team that seth Partno, Sam Vicini and I chose to do for our second of these uh, strategic planning sessions is what we're calling it for The Athletic that actually dropped on Wednesday. And part of the reason we wanted to do them was the idea of how do how does Neil O'Shea approach this? And to lay out the basic groundwork here, the Blazers are over the cap, they're over the cap, or sorry, over the tax by 12.6 million, which is a ton for a team that probably isn't going to make the playoffs. They have a couple small trade exceptions, but what's unusual about their structure is, the Blazers, if they let all their guys go, other than Rodney Hood, and Mario of player options that we think they're going to pick up is that so if if they do all that and then they keep their draft pick, the Blazers could have about twelve and a half million in space. Alternatively, they could trade Hassan Whiteside, who is an expiring contract, making uh, about so about twenty seven million, or they could and or they could trade Camp more who's making nineteen, and get back players who are on longer term. And so basically, then instead of being under the cap, they could go over, use the full mid level, and all that fun stuff.
0: Yeah, which you imagine makes a little bit more sense uh, to stay over. And just uh, also for a little bit of cap minutia, for those who who don't know, if they're eleven million under the cap, technically you. could... Can- can stay over by either holding cap holds on your books or by just not renouncing your exceptions you're only forced to you be an under the cap team if you the sum total of all of your exceptions and cap holds is still not enough to get you to the cap and then you would lose your mid-level but if they have 12 million in room 11 million in room you know depending on where their draft pick comes in by holding on to all of their exceptions and cap holds they could easily stay over operate as an over the cap team regardless of whether they add more guaranteed salary for next year or not as it stands at the moment so one thing that certainly is going to come up here is that these guys are a tax team at the moment they may want to try to reduce that bill with the playoffs looking pretty iffy as of now 538 and this is actually a good point made to us by a reader or slash listener after our recent podcast is that we've been using the 538 forecast based on the raptor player rankings or for our predictions and that's new this year the traditional forecast which is their elo forecast changes a little bit raptor basically takes the raptor player ratings and who's going to be available and uses that to project what the performance for the rest of the year is going to be elo is more focused on the team level so so if you look at the Raptor ratings, Blazers given a 25% chance of the playoffs. The ELO ratings, that puts them all the way down at 14%, but they're still projected to finish 36-37 wins. It's just that the ELO is higher on the Grizz and the Spurs than the Raptor ratings are. So kind of okay chance at making the playoffs this year they could get a lot better because they've still performed decently with Lillard and to a lesser extent McCollum on the floor so it's just been the lack of depth that's killed them so you could certainly say hey if they want to get better for this year they could boost their playoff odds they have more top end talent than some of these other teams that they're fighting with they could probably get in probably get steamrollered in the first round but it really seems to me Danny that it's more about trying to reload for next year when you consider. and Collins probably won't be back at full strength this year and next year you know they should have really their four best players available and so it's about building around those four best players for the future at this trade deadline
1: agreed and so that also makes center a lot less of a a concern but also raises the possibility that I think is really compelling for Neil O'Shea which is what is he willing to sacrifice to make the Blazers better in 2020 slash 21 and one thing that they can do Remember that year, they're not going to be a taxpayer in all likelihood. Is they can take on bad money. That that is kind of the easiest way to make it happen. So undesirable contracts, depending on how Cleveland sees Kevin Love, that could be a possibility. I am lower on that because he's a terrible yeah. defensive fit.
0: Yeah. But in- when you say when you say take on bad money, you still mean for guys who can play yes but just maybe that their teams don't. well
1: or or him. theoretically you could take on bad money for guys who can't play as a cost of taking on a guy who can't that's the other you know like yeah. gorgy jang if you wanted to get some like robert covington let's say like that would be another way to do it yeah and gorgy jang is having a better year than we anticipated also worth noting um and we'll talk about minnesota soon enough so but then the other question so that's one group the second group is well you can then you can sweeten the deal through draft picks they're i mean other than maybe their first this year if they don't make the playoffs they're not super Desirable. We think the Blazers are going to be competitive, but we don't know how competitive or young players. And the Blazers have Anthony Simons, maybe Collins, who is hurt, but also a, an important part of their plans. Maybe Nasir Little, if a team is interested, or Gary Trent, if a team is interested. And what makes the Blazers compelling though for me, and this is a, a, there's a whole section of the piece about this, is that I think there are actually a lot of guys on the trade market that would really help them because their forward depth is so weak. And so the question just becomes, what is the asking price for those players? And are the Blazers willing to meet that asking price?
0: Yeah, when you're in a position where- where signing Carmelo Anthony and starting him was an upgrade, yeah, you could probably use a little bit more at some of these positions. A backup center is also a big problem. They do have Nurkic coming back, but again, he's not going to play back-to-back. So I imagine he's going to be on a minute's limit, you know, just to, with his size coming off that horrific injury. It, it's tough to say that uh, he is going to be able to contribute a ton. They need more depth at, at all of these positions. Another construction that I might consider for them as well, would be one in which they get off of their own bad salary for next year. Now, the only the two that come to mind there are Hazonia and Ronnie Hood, both of whom have player options. Both of whom are almost certainly going to take those player options. Hood, I mean, I think coming off the torn Achilles, he wasn't that amazing to begin with. He'll probably won't come back until maybe December of next year. I think you basically have to count on him not being effective next year. And so to look at that $6 million is a little bit dead. So maybe what you can do is part of the price for if they send out say a first-round pick in the future to get some of these players that you're talking about would be you send out Hood and Hazonia in that deal as well, partially to match salary this year, but also as a way to just pr- give yourself a little bit more value to not have to pay them um and give yourself a little more breathing room under the tax in next year if, in fact, you decide to trade for a big salary this year. Another possibility would be trading for someone a little bit lower level, you know, something along the lines of, of a lower level asset you know a second rounder or something like that we've seen those second rounders which should have some value you know because it would project around you know the 45th pick or something right in the range where they start to drop off so maybe you could just make a lower level move for a guy who's going to be a free agent there's so many of those guys that i think that you'll be able to get some of them for a relatively low price and unlike some of these other teams like say the clippers really anyone would help the blazers and you know that could be part of the, the buyout market could be part of that too so and they got their starting center in the playoffs ultimately from the buyout market so maybe what you could say is hey we'll trade but the problem with the buyout market is you don't have any bird rights on these guys so you trade for someone say uh, now the grizz are playing better so it may not be this guy but you know a jay crowder type who would really help them and then you're able to potentially re-sign that player with bird rights uh, as well so that's another construction they might look at they might even look at the Danilo Gallinari one but you would have to either get an extension as we talked about with him we'll talk about more of that in Oklahoma City or you would have to maybe have some kind of understanding what it would take to re-sign him and a willingness to pay that
1: um yeah and that's a that's a good construction as well and and the blazers because as you talked about the idea in terms of smaller trades remember that players who have negative value on their contracts could still be positive value specifically to portland um so i i, I don't it, some of those get hard like damari carroll if he they think he can still play you know maybe you throw something out there and i'm i could imagine san antonio would be totally cool getting off of his money um and then you know the idea of identifying forwards of of potential potentially players would be there that we got into something in the in the piece about a couple of guys we talked about like otto porter he's too much money but maybe you use rodney hood's quote-unquote dead money to try to to offset some of that cost um, or you use a sweetener yeah, I, to... I mean,
0: I think after their experience this year that they just, they wouldn't be willing to yeah, it's, make it, that. For, for, it's them it, for
1: them, it might be too much risk. I, th- I think there's yeah. a fair argument there. And then, I mean, I
0: think for anyone, it's too much risk to pay $28 million to a guy who, you know, it's kind <laughs> of 50% chance to be healthy.
1: Then uh, we we, got, we went down a B-Elitsa so rabbit hole for a little bit. And then also... If And I don't think they are. I think they're going to keep both of them. If for whatever re- reason Phoenix is a little lower on either Oubre or Mikhail Bridges, both of those guys I think would fit well for Portland. But I'm thinking the asset price there is too high. And that's why you need to have a lot of these conversations. Just hope that somebody's lower on their guy than you are or higher on Simons or, or Collins or whoever
0: yeah some of these other names here you know marcus morris marvin williams those type of guys that you know i think williams now still probably even if you could get off of hood and hazonia for next year i'm still thinking you're of giving up a first rounder for marvin williams would be too much uh now he could be re-signable he's from the pacific northwest you'd think he might have some interest in uh re-signing there but that that still seems a little bit too much to me especially because you know maybe the the pick would be and this is a construction i think it was i can't remember who it was it might have been kevin pelton who can propose this but this is one i think that teams should do more of just like all right we're gonna top 20 protect this pick at, at some point in the future so if the trade really works for us then we'll give up our first, then and the first isn't as good of an asset uh, as if it were, say, lottery protected. And then if it doesn't, we'll just end up giving up our second or something. But it, it does seem like not that many teams are into those kind of trades. Uh, to And certainly a top 20 protected pick for just this year would be worthless. So it would have to go out a couple of years for the receiving team. But maybe that's something that they can do because I do think where they are this year, this year's first-round pick, is probably too valuable to give up compared to what they might get at the draft or just using the pick. There's nobody to me that's worth a, what could potentially be a lottery pick that would realistically come there. Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I think that's probably C- could fair. Could
0: Covington for, be that?
1: Maybe. And and they could also take on Jang if if, if the Wolves were cognizant. I I actually don't think Minnesota should be zealously trying to move to Jang because of the structure of their books. But yeah, yeah, I I think Covington would be a really nice fit with Portland you know give them a, a, a intelligent team defender could be important and, and you know Covington can he, he's not like a gunner but he can hit threes too so yeah I, I would like I would like Covington there how do you feel about Aaron Gordon
0: yeah you know people keep saying that the Magic are going to trade all these people I, I just don't see it I think they're, they want to make the playoffs
1: yeah I could see the Magic making a trade for a player but not a sell-off trade you know if they could just restructure their talent for somebody yeah. who they liked yeah I could see that but I'm, I, I agree with you that they're not going to they're not going to tear things down down
0: let me ask you this if you're the blazers how are you valuing anthony simons right now
1: if if they were asking me i think that simons is a very challenging player type to become a a a really big value add you know he's a ball dominant to be more of a scorer than a creator and it's tough for those guys to really get into the 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 high end unless they're just incredible and simon's has some nice pieces but also he's i, I think he's gonna be pretty shaky defensively for his whole career he's thin and all the all that so i i wouldn't be too high i i think that those players are useful but not eval- intensely valuable and so i wouldn't i wouldn't be i'd be thinking more about the fact that he might get overpaid on his next contract and that i don't think i think think he's more of a second unit guy than a starter
0: yeah i think the blazers might be overvaluing him a little bit now they've certainly have developed uh, plenty of their own young guys but that said since mccollum none of them have really become stars but and simon's yeah 9.5 pr 51 percent true shooting his stroke does look very very smooth which and he's 20 and has doesn't really have any high level experience until this year he's been passable i don't think that he's like the problem with their second unit necessarily, but I agree with you. You know, he's he's kind of a combo guard. Maybe he can become a Lou Williams type. You know, that would be the high end. Uh, Jamal Crawford type, like that would be the high end to me of his potential outcomes. He's athletic when he really loads up at the basket, but you don't really see him blowing by guys, dunking on guys necessarily. Uh, he can just do some nice dunks when he's like out in space. And defensively, I agree. You know, I think he's probably going to be at best an average contributor. There. he does try which I, i'll give him credit for so yeah, i do think they might even want, look to upgrade that position this year if they want to make the playoff push i would be willing to part with him if it got me a long-term starter on the wing because i mean you know how the other thing is how big of a role is he ever going to play if dame and cj are here and if you move one of those two guys you're probably at the point of rebuilding
1: uh what player do you think is most likely to be traded
0: well who are our options here we got Whiteside and baysmore expiring contracts you got Hood, just uh, because of the Achilles uh, and the dead money aspect. Uh, Hazonia, too. Uh, would uh, th- Those are the candidates. I guess I have to pick one. And S- Simon's, too, but I wouldn't expect him to get moved. i <sighs> go with... I'm going to go with Hood. I'm going to go with Hood.
1: I'm going to go with Baysmore though I think it should be Whiteside, just because... Their center depth uh, yeah. is so bad right now that I think they're a little bit more scared of that. But, I mean, Bazemore is in a, a part of this rotation, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it, it it seems like it's been a really disappointing year for Bazemore. I mean, at 7.5 PR, 474 true shooting, and that's on, like, really low usage as well. Yeah, and I think mm-hmm. he's helped them a little bit defensively. But, yeah, I mean, that's been... that. Ultimately, we thought that trade of Turner for Bazemore was a win for the Blazers, and it basically has ended up being a wash, which is, a, I think, another reason why they've disappointed. I mean, you could say Bazemore is kind of a forward and they tried to acquire him and he just it didn't work out. So yeah, maybe maybe that's when you say he's part of the rotation, maybe it's more accurate that they're just viewing him as ballast at this point. But I mean, the, the bigger, the reason I think it would be Hood is just because it would take such a big deal to move Bazemore or Whiteside. That's true. It, it, it would, I mean, who is the guy who's coming back making that much money? It would really have to be a major deal. And there aren't players under contract beyond this year that are available i think who are making that much unless it's love which who i don't think they're going to be interested in and i wouldn't be if i were them so considering all that i don't think those guys end up being traded because do the, are they going to make a major move for someone who's on an expiring contract this year i mean maybe they throw in a second with one of those guys and then they also need white side as a center maybe they think they could have something lined up on the buyout market to play probably in front of realistically Nurkic, given what his minutes limitations are going to be it was about a year ago now that there was that massive shortage of toilet paper. Remember that? Even still, it, it seems like you can't get as much as you might want to at the store. And that shed some light for me on the idea that toilet paper is not very environmentally friendly either. Over 27,000 trees are cut down each day to make toilet paper. And that's why now I use real. It's 100% bamboo toilet paper. Bamboo grows faster than trees. It doesn't need to be replanted. And it's just a more sustainable material uh, overall. It's three-ply, making it both soft and strong. Even the tape is plastic free as of course is the rest of their packaging and every roll purchase helps fund access to clean toilets for the 2.4 billion people who currently have to defecate outside so it's good for you it's good for the environment it gets sent right to your house which is awesome with free shipping So you don't have to take up 95% of the room in your shopping cart just with toilet paper. No reason not to give it a try. Listeners of Dunked On get 10% off their first order with the promo code CAPSPACE. Easy to remember that because we talk about it all the time around the program. Visit realpaper.com, R-E-E-L, realpaper.com and use that CAPSPACE code to get 10% off. Don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. I've been working with Indochino since way back in 2015. They outfitted my wedding with a tuxedo and sport coats for my groomsmen. I've got a number of suits from them as well. There's nothing like that feeling of knowing that your clothes just fit perfectly and you're not going to get that at some store. You're not going to get that off the rack. Yeah, they say that they can customize it for you, but why should you start with something that's made for someone else and get them to try to make it fit you? Instead, Indochino makes stuff for you that fits perfectly whether it's custom fitted suits shirts casual wear and more it's all at surprisingly affordable prices their suits start at just $399 with all customizations included each piece is made your exact measurements you can customize every detail the fabric the lapel the monogram they've got awesome statement linings as well whether you want to go into one of their many north american showrooms or book a virtual style consultation just go to indochino.com and you can get $50 off any purchase of $399 or more by using the code capspace at checkout easy to remember capspace which I put all the time around the program that's $50 off a purchase of $399 or more at indochino i-n-d-o-c-h-i-n-o indochino.com promo code capspace don't forget that capspace code to let them know you came from us all right, who's next year? The Oklahoma City Thunder. They are a mere
1: $750,000 over the luxury tax line. That is easy to remedy. I expect that they will. And- Well, the, let, me,
0: let me ask you this real quick. Does it really matter that much? I mean, the tax, there aren't so many tax teams, so they're not forgoing well, that much it, it in terms do, of it, tax distribution?
1: It does in terms of, so they're a repeater. And so that not that that makes the bill that much higher when it's this low, but also depending on how quickly they're willing to get back into it after this year, it could- could potentially make that more challenging this is not like the denver situation where we make fun of it because they're worried about the repeater tax having never paid it they've been paying it for years so maybe 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 do that but for me it's more like it's not a it's not an end-all be-all i think you're right and i think teams should be more comfortable being a small amount in the tax like denver but the um but i could see it just considering what they've already paid being a a consideration but there if they like justin Patton, there isn't there isn't a clear way to do unless they're just making another deal that sheds some salary for the season which is possible
0: yeah and i mean basically to reset the clock you have to be out of the tax two consecutive years i think it's extremely unlikely that it's in the plan for them to be in the tax either these next two years with this lengthy rebuild only beginning and we've talked about it again how really the only long-term keeper piece on this squad right now is Shay gilders alexander
1: and he doesn't get his raise until 22, which is there would be two clear years before that. Yeah. So it also pretty amazing considering they're paying Chris Paul over 40 million the, the following two seasons that they're still probably not going to be a tax team.
0: Yeah. So and they're not really in much danger of it. Robertson comes off the books this year. Gallo comes off the books. Now, you might say, hey, they'd want to resign Gallo. They might want to use the full mid-level. Well, let, let, uh, yeah. and, and it'd be nice to be out of it this year. So, I, I mean, I think they will. And with either Patton or Deontay Burton, they have a way to do that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they they do, and here's here's a, a picture that I want to paint for for the Thunder, which is really compelling for Sam Presti, and I'm sure he's thinking about this right now. Which is, as of right now, if you clear off the cap holds for their pending free agents, like the the you know Gallo and Robertson, those types of guys, the Thunder have thirty four and a half million if you count in their draft pick. That's the rough estimate I have under the tax. So re-signing Gallo takes up a lot of that, or you know using the mid level exception. But another thing they could do, and Robertson is the pathway for this. I'm actually. There's a piece for The Athletic that'll probably come out on on Thursday or Friday about this. Is I, The term I'm using is they're kind of creating a second mid-level exception by trading an expiring contract for a non-expiring contract, because then they stay over the cap, they, they use the full mid-level, and they're not going to be in the tax anyway. So that's actually, for me, if they want to keep Gallinari, that's the trade I would be most zealously pursuing, is a team that has a, you know, it could be a negative value or they're just not super interested in having that player on contract. And for the Thunder, it's a value add because they'd rather have that player than than an abstract minimum guy on the, th- the 14th or 15th roster spot. So that's one concept of it. The other way that this could get really interesting if OKC in particular wanted to embrace it is they actually have more sweeteners than damn near anybody because they have eight extra first round picks and two pick swaps. So if there was somebody they really liked, they could actually use Robertson as the salary ballast to really upgrade. That would make it their playoff spot more firm for this year. And the salary consequences, as long as the player didn't make more than like 15 to 20 million would be fine.
0: Yeah, and they desperately need some adult NBA wings here on this roster. Yeah, Patton, I I can't say I've been incredibly familiar with what he's been doing in the G League. He is blocking three and a half shots a game and only 27 minutes a game, so that's pretty good, but other than that it hasn't shown a ton from the three-point line it hasn't been incredibly efficient he's been playing it for uh their g league team obviously so i don't know if they feel like they are like desperate to hold on to him as far as getting out of the tax you mentioned robertson as well i mean maybe there could also just be a low level trade for with robertson where they get back someone who can play just a little bit and makes less so you can get out of the tax maybe that's worth giving up a second you know we've mentioned this idea of just how many roster spots they really going to have going forward where i mean their second rounder that's you know going to be number 47 or whatever it is this year is that worth getting someone who's just a body on the wing trying to think of who that might be or even like a Solomon Hill type of guy again the Grizz are a little weird right now because they're actually trying for it but even someone like that who makes a little bit less than Robertson or actually no I'm sorry he makes more than Robertson so never mind but like that level of player I'd have to think a little bit more about who they would really want to go for there but so the other thing of course would just be throw some cash along with Patton to get off of his salary open up a a roster spot the other thing too is that they could be a pretty decent buyout destination where i mean i would predict if they move off of Patton, they'll have two open roster spots they'll probably wait until the absolute last possible moment if they're trying to get out of the tax and to get those two guys in there and still stay up under. But this could be an intriguing buyout destination because of the playing time that would be available as a forward off the bench.
1: The the Thunder are also, and we've talked about this a little bit in a few contexts, a a team that could be very offer dependent in terms of how they handle other things. And I'll give a couple examples. So Gallinari, I think they probably want to keep him at this juncture. But if somebody is really into him and just makes a strong offer, OKC is strong enough right now that I think they can make the playoffs without him. So the downside risk, and if if the Thunder don't think they're going to re-sign him, then, I mean, you're getting something for not much of an opportunity cost loss. And then the other one, which I don't expect to happen for different reasons, is if they should kick the tires on Chris Paul, potentially, you know, selling high on him because he's having this successful season and having, you know, gotten into the playoffs and he stayed relatively healthy. I don't think there's a market, but Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much it means to them to actually make the playoffs this year. I mean, they they aren't going to win a round, almost certainly, unless they're just massive injury issues uh, for whoever they're playing. But I don't know. I mean, if they, let's say the Jazz get the number two seed this year they're really surging right now i would favor the jazz in that series to be sure but yeah they might have a fighting chance in that series as a seven seed or denver you know it depends on the matchup is houston clippers no i wouldn't give them any kind of a chance there but it would be you know maybe chris paul goes crazy it's a team that plays conventional pick and roll defense so i i don't think they would want to move paul unless it's really something that is going to advance their future you know even if it's say andrew wiggins which is one that we pointed out before like that seems like really kind of a lateral move at this point even and and really almost a down i mean for this year certainly a downgrade
1: well in the parallel with andrew wiggins in minnesota is that oh the reason sometimes teams try and you might not trade chris paul for a salary jump Remember, he was traded in a move that didn't cut the thunder salary at all like that's that's because the rust thing it was more about the future years and the the idea of benefiting from trading chris paul you know creating more space is that you can use that space and oklahoma city probably not a free agent destination also they're you know unless you can find a way to get out of it like in whole cloth they're probably not going to create a ton of cap space so i don't think they need to feel much urgency other than the idea that potentially if things go sour health-wise for chris paul that the expected value on his contract could drop precipitously but even if it does i think the thunder is still fine it's not like it's costing them that much in terms of opportunity
0: anything else on these guys most likely to be traded Patton
1: yeah I would say I would say Patton um it could be Burton if they like him less but yeah I mean well Burton. he's
0: he's got I've got him with a million 1.1 million guaranteed next year oh, okay so, so then yeah that, then that makes him a little less uh desirable yeah let me double check that actually
1: oh so that's interesting um according to Eric Pincus Burton he's this int- he's the hybrid he's a team option that is partially guaranteed if the option gets picked up
0: ah uh, that's right okay so so that He's just as tradable as Patton. He just makes about 200000 less as far as giving you more breathing room under the tax. Uh, and Patton is uh, non-guaranteed for next year. And then it has a team option the year after that. Um, all right, who's next?
1: Let's go to the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Wolves are about $8 million below the tax threshold. And they don't have any trade exceptions, but they actually amazingly do have $5 million before it gets prorated of their mid-level exception. It is a little. I mean, they, they've been pretty happy with, I think, some of the guys like Naz Reed that they have more on the edge of their roster, but they could have, you know, used that to get better. <laughs> it, it, it could have been useful considering everything. Um, I would say the, the big questions for Minnesota are can they is now the time to find that long-term initiator primary ball handler point guard because jeff teague is an expiring contract i'm not sure they want to resign him and also they should listen to offers on andrew wiggins and robert covington but i don't know if they should try either of them right now unless you know unless the offers are stronger than i anticipate
0: but, well could we throw moving gorji jeng and getting off of his salary for next year in in there as a motivation as well
1: it, it could be but from the way that i'm seeing minnesota's books getting getting off of Jeng's money isn't it it doesn't help them that much it
0: it helps uh, i mean if they if they could they could get into the cap, uh, cap space derby we've talked about how teams that have more than the mid-level exception might be in a pretty good position to get just starter level veteran free agents which i think this team really needs so somebody
1: maybe like gallo
0: yeah i mean i think you would look or pretty Ibaka good on this team or... uh for sure yeah i mean there are definitely players who could help them next year who are going to be free agents that there wouldn't be a ton of competition for and they're probably if they got some of those guys would project to be a better team than some of these other teams they're gonna have cap space so i think that yeah if you could move off of jang now is that worth surrendering a future first round pick because that's really I think the only way to do that the, there's no young prospects on this roster that you could attach they're probably because teams do this with their young players they are probably really high on the recent surge of Jarrett Culver and he has been playing better we talked about him a little bit on the, the 15 and 60 but so maybe attaching him would be enough to get off of Jang but they're not going to do that anyway maybe attaching Covington would be enough and that could if you did that for expiring contracts you know that that combination going to Portland would be interesting uh to just for some of their expiring contracts and then you could have like 60 million in space next summer and if you wanted to trade for Jandre or Russell, you could just like take him into space in theory, uh, and you would probably have to give up draft pick compensation. Well, and word
1: and, and, and that, also but. the Warriors for from the Warriors' perspective what would be interesting about that is they'd be getting a trade exception as opposed to getting back different players. I I don't know if they'd rather have Covington. I'm guessing they would, but yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean that might be part of a three way deal. I mean, it's always good to have just open space to facilitate Absolutely. those kind of deals. Um, the, clearly, I mean it's been talked about that Towns is a little unhappy there, but. Clearly, they're not at the point yet where they're gonna move him. You would think uh so. Yeah, I I, th- I would imagine that it, they're not gonna do a big deal because I'm just not sure what that ends up being at, at this point in time. Because getting off of Jang to me seems the most likely. I mean, maybe it's Covington for the expiring and a first, but we've also talked about how they need to at least be respectable these next couple of years. Yeah, granted, you know, three years from now, if you're not really contending, town's gonna want out. But if you're like, you know, 32 wins in perpetuity towns will probably want out even before then and there are ways to do that in the NBA. So uh I don't necessarily see them moving Covington unless they're just like worried about his health as like, just a ticking time bomb.
1: Yeah Minnesota's motivations are, are, are very challenging because of the the, t- the towns of it all and
0: they need they need the shooting towns in- of it all. That's great.
1: They need they need <laughs> shooting in the worst way. I, I think you know the point guard of the future could be D'Angelo Russell, could be any number of things. I mean maybe they want to try this kind of hybrid approach with Jared Culver, but I think they need something there and and what's interesting about the russell hypothetical is i think that pairing russell and towns who apparently have a personal connection there was that i think that was a slam thing where russell towns and devin booker are all close and they want to play together so that could be kind of oh the, yeah for-
0: yeah i mean amin, amin el Hassan uh talked about that when i was on ethan's pod a couple of weeks ago it was uh he uh he had an amusing take on it, <laughs>
1: it uh, but what, what what i find compelling about that fit is i think it does a lot more to help russell than it does to help towns because russell Russell, he lacks the athleticism to, to regularly beat his guys. We actually saw this a little bit against the Mavericks last night. He can make shots over dudes, and he's been better at that this year. But if you play with Carl Anthony Towns, teams do not want to switch that. And so Russell gets advantageous matchups more often, and I think it would really help him and, and goose the offense overall. And then Towns is Towns is still Towns. But I, I think that it still helps, obviously. And, and I wonder how Rosas is going to solve that hole, because I think that's the most important one in terms of the, arc of the the franchise for the next four years
0: well you throw and then you throw in the fact that they've just struggled to find anyone who can make the ball go in the basket from beyond the three-point line as well and that's and who can even play passable defense but although i do think just even like a pure shooting specialist on this team would be so helpful to them uh, with some of these shooting And maybe they think that jared culver can grow into some of those roles not as a shooting specialist but a, as a three and d guy maybe play a, off the ball but also initiate some of the offense but he's he's a long way away from really being a positive there and yeah i mean those just you know good wing players and offensive perimeter fulcrum might be the two hardest things to find in the league other than just a pure superstar which they do already have in terms of talent. so i it's just to me though the moves that they're gonna try to make i don't see them making a move to just try to get into the playoffs this year something along those lines they could be another buyout destination given who is available on the trade market i don't see that long-term franchise changer i mean i certainly if they really want russell again you know my reservations about him but i would be trying to make the move for him right now if i could in theory uh more more really for the warriors than for the wolves though because the other thing to remember is this is a draft rich in point guards and so maybe they just hold off there see where their pick ends up see who falls to them maybe they could trade up again this year and see whether uh, trade up again
1: trade up again this year and pass on a point guard again
0: Yeah, uh, not that Kobe White's been that amazing, but I'm. Uh, I still think he'll turn up. Other than Culver, we'll see Culver's showing a few signs lately, as we mentioned. So, yeah, I think I I would anticipate that they likely stand pat here. Who do you see as? Mo- they don't have any financial motivations like getting out of the tax. Who do you see as most likely to be traded on this team?
1: I mean, is it Teague? Just because if they if they don't think he's coming back just to do something?
0: Well, I don't know. Who knows? if They even want it back? I mean, yeah, they're not exactly. I'm, from,
1: right but, from both sides and remember yeah. that if, if he's not coming back whether as an unrestricted free agent whichever side it is or both sides then it's incredibly hard to recoup any value there they could theoretically if he wanted to go somewhere where it needed to be a sign in trade but that seems pretty unlikely and you can't rely on that so yeah I, th- I think you could move him one other thing I want to mention this isn't really a trade deadline thing but it's an abstract I- I've been thinking about the Wolves a lot just did a piece on them last week is I think Rosas needs to spend a big part of this year evaluating how the young guys on this team are gonna fit into the next good Wolves team. So like Josh Akogi, talented player, guy that I like generally, but what is he? Is he a is he a starting is he a starter? Is he a, a rotation player? Because identifying what needs you have to fill is going to be exceedingly important and the window for them is going to be pretty narrow to figure out what this team is going to be. And so knowing Naz Reed, Keda Bates Job, Diop, he's not job. Um, Culver, all those guys. like Jake Lehman, he, whenever he gets back from this issue. like That's really, really important for them to figure out before June of 2020.
0: We're recording this during the day. Uh, just to know, Carl Anthony Towns is questionable for tonight. Um, who's next here?
1: Let's go to the Utah Jazz. Uh, the Jazz are, in, in some ways, a similar situation cap-wise to the Wolves, where they're well under the tax... Uh, $11.8 in their case, and they have no available exceptions, so the tax is not really a material concern. They can't create cap space, so they're kind of there. I think they probably already made their move, which was the Exum Clarkson trade, especially now that like, they're another team that, because of the structure of their books, could theoretically do the expiring contract for a longer-term deal, but they just did the opposite of that to get Clarkson, and Clarkson is now their only prominent expiring contract, assuming Conley stays on the, you know, I I guess the Trek term is, does not exercise this early termination option that he plays on that on that contract for next year. Um another reason why it's going to be hard for Utah to make a, a big move right now, beyond the fact they're playing so well that they probably don't need to, is the the first-round pick that they owe to Memphis in the Conley trade is one of those double-sided protected for a while. So it gets hard to move anything outside of that. So it's basically, the it only conveys if it's 8 to 14 the next two years, and then all the way to 7 to 30 in 2020. So functionally speaking, they can't trade a first until in, 20, in
0: 2022, you.
1: Sorry, 22. Yeah. So functionally, right now, if I were another team, I'd be treating it like any first that they're owing is 2024 and their seconds aren't valuable because they're actually a good team and they owe their their next two anyway so i mean i think the jazz are pretty close to standing pat they also don't have really desirable young players that they that they're not looking to keep they don't have any superfluous young guys is probably the way i'd put it and their vets on deals that are somewhat reasonable aren't really inspiring much in trade-wise
0: so i think their goal would be to get just another option at backup center and perhaps that could come via the buyout market. They might also, want to get one more option as a backup combo for the minivan has been awesome lately. He's shooting 40% from three, he's really helped their bench units. But you might wonder if you go up against, say, a Houston or a Clippers, whether he can hold up defensively if he's going to get matched up onto someone like Harden or Kawhi Leonard. You might want someone who is closer to what Jeff Green was supposed to do for them, who's got a little more versatility at that position. uh But back to the backup center, Ed Davis is not playing right now he's behind Tony Bradley in the rotation again I don't Bradley to me is not good enough to back up Rudy Gobert in the playoffs whenever the Jazz Locke tweeted about this yesterday that like if they can just be even when Tony Bradley is on the floor they're going to kill people because their starters are so good but it'd be nice to they need to get someone to me who is a better role man threat so that they can play similarly or alternatively who's like a real defensive plus and Davis sadly it's been a lost year for him who knows if he's going to even get back into being a quality player we thought that was a good signing it hasn't really worked out and Bradley again you know to me he just is kind of eating space out there he's not an elite defender he's not an elite role man so would they maybe it's more likely to come via the buyout market because their big problem right now is that other than Davis and Bradley they don't really have any kind of matching salary that's not tied down to something essential so you know one name that maybe occurred to me was like Taj Gibson uh and with Davis I mean if for a guy who's not playing at all he's got five million guaranteed for next year that's looking like a negative asset as of now that can change if he gets back to playing the way he's played before but he's not playing right now so it's tough for him to do that and other than that though you know i mean alex len i'm sure would be available but still he's i don't see him as like a massive upgrade on what they have there he has not shot the ball well this year that was the hope for him so it seems more likely that this could be perhaps buyout center destination and they'll just give that guy the backup center role as opposed to actually making a move
1: yeah that seems reasonable to me as well
0: so yeah they, they made this section boring by already doing the Clarkson trade already using really their only uh, big salary ballast with Exum most likely to be traded
1: hmm can I say no one <laughs> no we're not allowed to do that um and I'm not allowed I'm, to I'm see- gonna say Davis yeah I think that's fair even though he has the money for next year there are just so few guys on this team that they would actually that they would actually
0: yeah. move- if any move is made he's gonna be in it I think that's fair I mean unless there's just some like minimum backup center that I'm not seeing who, who could be available that could help them but I, I'm not sure who that is
1: uh so let's move on to our the fifth and final team in the northwest the Denver nuggets the nuggets are barely under the tax a little bit under a million and they have no remaining trade exceptions remember they had that collection of them last year and now those are those have all expired they do have ownership is the biggest competitive advantage in the NBA almost their full mid-level exception they used a little bit on on vodco Kanchar but they, that's not for trade purposes that's only to sign other players if their ownership was willing to pay the luxury tax. Um and also the Nuggets owe their 2021st to the Oklahoma City Thunder due to the Jeremy Grant trade and they owe their seconds already in 2021 20, and 22. So that makes it really hard for them to make to make a trade involving a draft pick as an asset right now. Uh, so I would say to me the the biggest need would be ideally a wing defender. I would love for that to me would make them so much more viable as a multi-round playoff team to me. But the biggest question, because that's so hard to find, is do they want to be proactive with Malik Beasley, Wancho Hernan Gomez, or both?
0: Yeah. It's an interesting situation to be in. They have so much depth, and it's so difficult to upgrade on that depth. And you've got Beasley and Juancho as guys who are going to be restricted free agents and uh, are both looking for bigger contracts than Denver is likely to provide. So they're in an odd position of a good team that's probably more likely to be a seller in this case.
1: It, it's possible. And the Nuggets can get into this, th- this thought process that Tim Connolly and the front office has to be in is how likely is it that even if they don't necessarily want to be there, that Wancho and Beasley just end up in positive value contracts, you know, to as Masai Ujiri is the one who signed Nene to the contract that inspired the Nene test while he was in Denver, I think it'd be appropriate for them to do that where whether it's through offer sheets or through contracts the market is just so tapped out for players like them that Wancho and Beasley just get contracts that the Nuggets are willing to I,
0: match. You know, what? I don't even see the way that that could happen. I mean, uh, that they would I mean, they're probably unless it's the qualifying offer, I don't see either of those guys are going to want to sign for like well less than 10 million a year and you can consider what their needs are for next year. They got Millsap coming off the books. They're going to need a backup center because Plumlee is a free agent. Jeremy Grant is a free agent, so they they need basically. Pro, unless you're going to bring Michael Porter in as your starting four, they their biggest needs are, and they got Troy Craig as a restricted free agent, another guy who maybe could be on the move. So perhaps they go into re, there's some value in going into restricted free agency with Hernan Gomez, Beasley, and Craig, and then just kind of seeing who you can get at the cheapest price among those guys because they are going to need at least some of those guys back, even with Porter. So. I'm, uh, uh, But I don't see a way that those guys are all going to come back because you've just got so many other needs that need to be filled. And, uh, eh, you know, they're probably not going to pay the tax.
1: Another, another team that has the challenge of how do they approach their spending flexibility? I mean, so the Nuggets are different because I expect that they'll retain Millsap or Jeremy Grant, who has that $9.3 million player option. So my assumption is that the Nuggets are going to function over the cap. And I don't necessarily support them doing what I talked about with Oklahoma City with Robertson of trading an expiring contract like Plumlee for somebody who make who is, has money over a future year because the Nuggets don't know exactly what they're going to need. And Plumlee is actually playing a part in the rotation. You and I aren't necessarily the biggest fans of his watchability, but it's not the same as Robertson where moving him for future money is a value add because you're trading a player who hasn't done a lick for you for something else.
0: Yeah, Gary Harris is someone else that maybe you would think they would try to move but it seems like the plan here is just they're going to go into the playoffs healthy they wanted to continue to grow this young core they don't feel a lot of urgency that's been the party line there and to just see what they've got here in the second year of the playoffs with this group and then maybe in the off season, it is where some more moves could be made where they have a little more flexibility some milsap plumley you know, they, they could remake this team around their younger core in the offseason and will barton i mean the other thing too is you you want to talk about getting another wing defender will barton has been so good that they're not going to not start him and so now you're talking about a backup and they've got backup small forwards already on this team so uh, it's hard for me to see what the big move is i think you know if someone wants to give up let me ask you this if someone offers a second for beasley or wancho or craig are you in you know a decent second i mean it would probably actually be a team that's maybe lower in the pecking order you know so you could maybe get a second in the in the 30s or early 40s i'm would I, you make the move
1: i'm higher on beasley than the other two um i think for wancho he just because he's just hasn't been a part of their plans i would consider but i love wancho so it's so hard um yeah i mean if it's top five like 31 to 35 and then remember this is not considered Maybe the best draft, but there are, there are values to be had if you trust your if you trust your scouting. I mean, you can find guys. <sighs> I I kind of want to just if, if that's all that there is, I kind of want to just see what the where the market goes with those guys. And even if they and if some of them end up taking qualifying offers, at least you have a potentially useful player for one year at a price that you're okay with.
0: Yeah, I'd do it for Wancho, maybe not for Beasley because Beasley to me can come in and really uh, maybe bomb some threes and make a difference in some playoff games. Wancho is probably just not going to play with with Porter now becoming a part of their long-term plans and he just hasn't played much all season so yeah I think he he's in the category of just get anything that you can for him even if uh- we kind of like him but the reality is that he's had you know one and a half seasons of decent play uh, under his belt so uh we'll always be higher on him but the value just isn't there and the chance of him coming back uh, seems pretty unlikely most likely to be traded
1: i'll go with wancho i mean it just seems like he's the most uh, I, 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 I that's just my
0: instinct i'll go beasley because i think there's be more demand for him than wancho and his his salary demands going forward are also a little bit higher i mean they offered him three for 30 and he didn't take it so uh, there's there's no way they're offering him more than that in the off season. You would think maybe they just think that the and best case scenario, he comes back and he's really disgruntled. But I, I think it's more about the outside interest would be higher in Beasley than in Wancho. So do not forget about this. We are on the NBA's official Twitch channel tomorrow night. That's going to be for a great game to Boston and Milwaukee. Hope that you can join us for there. We could, we'll appreciate the support. We'll be even if you find it difficult to sync up with the lack of the pause button that works on Twitch. We will be answering a ton of questions. You can just get some questions in there, get them answered live, and hopefully we can make this a success with the NBA. And it's just one more step towards us actually being able to do live games when that becomes something that's done pretty regularly. So please join us tomorrow and. And we'll, of course, be back with another Dunked On tomorrow night as well. Till then.
2: In 2021, it's finally okay to talk about our mental health and happiness. Humans aren't meant to keep everything inside. It makes us sick, and therapy helps. But what is therapy exactly? Well, it's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing with stress well. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles, because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, or even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. And it's much more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what therapy is really about. It may or may not be for you, but it's worth looking into, because you are your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and our listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com Stitcher. That's BetterHelp.com slash Stitcher.